This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Welcome to Season 6 of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers through social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Hey, friends, it's Jay Bear. Thanks so much for listening to Social Pros. Before we get into today's show, a quick acknowledgement of our sponsors. Our friends at ICUC are sponsoring the show this week. If you're getting ready to put together your 2019 marketing plan, your marketing strategy, which you probably are, I bet a lot of you are trying to work on that. ICUC can help you make better data-driven decisions that will improve your 2019 approach. ICUC can, kind of on the side, develop some really interesting reports and analysis using social media strategic insights, which will give you a deeper understanding of your audience, your market, and your competitors, and it will empower you to develop a 2019 strategy that best targets, reaches, engages, and retains your customers. If you need a little strategic bump, a little help for 2019, Take a look at ICUC. They can give you a hand. Go to icuc.social slash plan 2019. That's icuc.social slash plan 2019. And of course, the show is brought to you as always by Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Social, more important than ever for B2B in 2019 and beyond. If you haven't done so, Download the complete guide to social media for B2B marketers from our friends at Salesforce. Super useful document. Best types of content, best channels to use, all kinds of new information about advanced social listening and B2B. Check it out. Totally free. Bitly slash social B2B guide. That's bitly slash social B2B guide. Social B, the number two B guide. All lowercase, all one word. Thanks so much to this week's sponsors. And now... Here is the Social Pros Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Social Pros. It's Jay Bear, founder of Convince and Convert. Delighted that you're with us today. Adam is not here. He's recovering from Dreamforce or licking his wounds or doing something in the great city of Austin, Texas. But that is okay because we have an unbelievable guest for you this week on Social Pros. One of my favorite people on the planet, certainly in my top two favorite Australians, she is the one, the only, Neen James, who is the author of the extraordinary book, Attention Pays, which had a huge impact on me and my work. She is also a legendary keynote speaker and a world-class consultant, even though, as you'll soon experience, her voice sounds like a sorority sister drinking Red Bull and then doing helium shots. Please welcome to the show, <laughs> Neen James. <laughs> G'day gorgeous, what a treat it is to be on your show. I literally just want you to be the person who introduces me every time I stand and speak. That's amazing. I can, I'd be happy to do that. If, that, if there's a market in that professional introducer, <laughs> I would totally do that. Like, I could not I, afford I, you and your brilliant mind. 
So I want everybody to pause the show right now and just go back and listen to the last 20 seconds of, of Neen and you'll see why my introduction was so apt. I am so glad that you are here. It is always such a treat uh, to talk to you. Now, your book is literally called Attention Pays. This is a show This is a show of people who are paid to create attention. Uh, you see how that all uh, fits in. Why is attention so important today? You know, I think attention, when you think about this, think about the fact that people thought they could manage time. They can't. You can't manage time. Time's going to happen whether you like it or not. And time's going to pass. Time's the great equalizer. You can't manage time, but you can manage your attention. And I think in a world we're living in right now, so many of the professional social media managers who are listening to this, they know that not only is it hard to grab someone's attention, Jay, it's hard to keep their attention. And that's the key, right? So it's not just about grabbing their attention. It's also about keeping it. And so I believe that when you know how to pay attention personally, professionally, globally, ultimately, you make a greater impact on the planet. And I know that's a huge statement, but it affects everything we do. Do you feel like the the bigger issue today is that people don't focus enough on keeping attention? Or is that it's just so hard now that people always feel like they're just spinning plates and and they never really have a handle on it? Yeah, one of the things we talk about in the book, you may remember, is we have this term called the over trilogy. I think that right now people are overwhelmed, they're overstressed and they're overtired. And when you think of this over trilogy, especially people listening to this, I'm sure they can relate to it. It's kind of, you're operating in a 24 hour environment. It's seven days a week. You never get any off time, right? And so think about how over everyone is. Not only that, we're living in a time where all of these amazing social media tools constantly keep changing. So just when you think you mastered Facebook or you've mastered the secret to Instagram, we're going to change the algorithm. I'm going to change the process. And then some leader above you is like, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? And so what we used to be able to control, we can't anymore. And all we can control is our own attention and then right messaging and, and campaigns and programs that will grab and keep people's attention. I think keeping is the key. You can get attention for really bad things, by the way. I'm talking about positive attention for the right things, the right people, the right way. Well, you're exactly accurate. I I don't know that I've ever met a well-rested social media manager. I I think everybody (laughs) listening to this show is like, yep, that sounds like me. All of the overs that Neen mentioned, I have all of of those overs. (laughs) I'm I'm rotten with overs. You say, you say in the book that attention requires a system, and you are the queen of systems. As some uh, listeners know, Daniel Lemon and I wrote the book Talk Triggers recently, and it has three different mental models in the book, a four, five, six process. We stole all of that from Neen. She taught that to us. Uh, you were really big on, on having systems. What do you mean by that, though, in, in a social media context, that, that attention requires a system? And how can we actually make that happen day to day in this world? I believe in systems of attention. So personally, a system of attention is systemized thoughtfulness. It could be the simplicity of having a system that every time you meet someone, you use their name. Every time you have a conversation with someone, you look them in the eye. For those of you who have read my book or heard me speak, I'm a huge advocate for listening with your eyes. But you also need systems of attention for your career, systems of attention for your messaging. One of the systems I'm known for that Jay is referencing, and by the way, he's lying. I did not 
they did not steal that from me. I may have inspired them to create some contextual models, but that's all their brilliant minds at work. But one of the things I believe is if you can have a system of attention for your messaging and create visual models to replicate, to uh, inspire, to motivate, that showcase your message, it's an easy way for people to not only just notice what you're doing, but process it differently. And so two very easy systems of attention. One is using more metaphors and analogies when you're speaking and writing and sharing, because metaphors are memorable, repeatable, and retweetable. Retweetable. So those metaphors, people remember, they may not remember every statistic you publish or every graphic that you share, but they will remember when you use metaphors and analogies. So one system of attention is increasing your use of metaphors and analogies. I use those terms pretty much interchangeably. So remember metaphors are memorable, repeatable and retweetable. But the other system of attention with visuals is a contextual model. I believe we can represent every brilliant idea through a contextual model. And so in my practice, we call this idea shaping. And that's something that I get asked to do more and more with keynoting because people need a unique way to very quickly grab someone's attention show them a process or a system that they can then implement. So when you think about the role that so many of these great listeners have, not only do we want them to pay attention to the messages, but we want them to take action. And so to show people how to take action, like you and Daniel did in the book, you gave them a process. If you have a model to support the process, people are more likely to not only remember it, but do it. Especially true, I think, in B2B social media, where you're really trying to communicate, in many cases, with information. You're trying to paint a, a features and benefits matrix, that kind of thing. And, and attention is so fleeting. Now, I just before this recording, I was on the on the line with the, the folks who manage our paid social at Convince and Convert and for our clients. And we were talking about the fact that we were looking at our analytics and, and our paid video ads... Right. We're getting three to five seconds right, of, of a watch before people are, are scrolling through. right? So you better have some sort of contextual model. Like You better be able to instantaneously frame up for your audience where this information fits into the bigger picture because they're not going to wait around to figure it out themselves. It's so true. Another system that we use with contextual modeling is one called a positioning matrix. And I would encourage every person on this call to explore this. And I'm happy to share the template with you, Jay, so that you can put it in the show notes. But I do believe that we as leaders, and I use the term leader, I don't care what your title is, I believe everyone is a leader. But I think every leader needs the ability to answer the question, you know, what do you do? And what I think has been really powerful is I do this in my keynotes all the time. I'll pull someone out of the audience. They'll jump on stage. You've seen me do it, Jay. And I ask them a series of questions. And then I present them back to themselves as the brilliant human that they are. And it's using a technique. It's a system of attention called a positioning matrix. If you can position yourself in the value you add, especially if you're having to pitch for additional funding, if you're having to convince a leader that you are the right person to be on that account, if you have to sell yourself in any way, this can be a really easy tool. It can also be very valuable if you're creating any video products because you could make it as a opening video on YouTube. You could use it as a LinkedIn update. There's so many different ways you can use this idea of a positioning matrix. So systems of attention, an easy way to think about it is a a template for something. You know, random acts of kindness are great, but isn't it cool if we have systemized thoughtfulness, if we do the same thing? See, systems create freedom. The more systems you have, the more consistent you are. And as leaders in this industry, I think we need to have systems of attention for everything we do, the way we position ourselves, our company, our message, so we can serve our audiences. 
the problem with random acts of uh, kindness or random acts of content or random acts of social is that they are random. It, it mm-hmm. says so. It says so right in the name, uh, and, and so that can work, and sometimes it will work. But but that is that is a game of chance it more is. so than, a, with, than a game the, of strategy. Exactly, and where's the ROA? Like I know we hear ROI, return on investment, but I believe in ROA, return on attention. Because if you're going to invest your attention in creating a campaign or leveraging a platform or sharing a key message for your business, you want to know there's a return on that attention. You said there's only three to four seconds. For a video that is insanity but that is reality and so now we have to be even more clever with the way that we grab and keep people's attention through visual models through positioning matrix through use of metaphor analogy these are tools that are accessible to all of us that you could try this out today yeah you can see it now even on on instagram ads in particular is where i notice that most often instagram video ads for product right so so they'll have a very short ad and and they instantly show you the benefit of the product, right? There's no preamble. There's, there's no scene setting. It's like this thing does this, right? Or, or now you see a, a lot on Instagram, the recipe videos, right? So we've gone from like a full written recipe. We've gone from a full written recipe to a real time or nearly real time recipe video that which might take three minutes. Mm-hmm. And now we have all these like super quick cuts. Like, let me show you how to make like some kind of crazy French turkey in 11 seconds. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? It's crazy. And like, I know I sound like I'm five, but I'm like ancient. I'm like a little old lady. And I remember a time. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, I remember a time where in sales, I remember a time where people used to be able to build up to the pitch, right? So they'd tell you the features and the benefits and then building, 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 building. And then they go, and that will be $10,000, right? So they had all this time and we would give them the grace of that. We would allow people to give us their pitch. We were so used to receiving information and sitting in a place where we pretended we were interested or we paid attention. Nowadays, people don't even pretend to pay attention because if you are not capturing someone's attention within moments, they will grab their device as a default position. And that means you're not engaging enough. And so... Look, I'd love all humans to not be so rude and not be on their devices on it all the time. But the reality is because you're not engaging them, they are going to go and invest their attention somewhere else. So if you want it, you better deserve it as well. Yeah. Voting with your thumbs. And that's why people listen to podcasts at double speed as well. It's the same, the same rationale. Um, oh my God. Can you imagine? I will sound like a chipmunk. If you, yeah, if anybody, if anybody's listening to this, if anybody's listening to this show in double speed, I suggest that you, that you slow it down right now to normal speed, because this may be a really oh uh, tough uh, situation hysterical. for you this week on social press. Do you feel like uh, you're really good at social media? And I know you've got a couple of folks on your team that help as well, but but you're very, very active on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Instagram. Like you're out there all the time and you're really, really good. And it feels like you're everywhere. Like you're always interacting with people and loving them up. You're, you're just really, a, number one, a gem of a person, but number two, that really uh, shines through in social media. Do you feel like there are better channels for attention or at least for yeah. how Neen James gets attention? Yeah, and look, this is like my opinion only and not the opinion of Convince and Convert, and that's my disclaimer. But my opinion as Neen James, who is like me and my Misty, who Misty is my social media maven, and what she does is I set strategy and she helps me execute it. So we decide, here's the platforms we're going to focus on, here's the events I have coming up, here's the commitments I've made, and then she'll help me post everything. It's still me across the channels, but her helping me execute is really powerful. And what I found is they've all changed so much, Jay. 
way. So my, I make my living as a keynote speaker like you. And so for me, what I love to use social media for is audience engagement. So for example, if I'm serving a conference, a meeting planner, I will ask for their hashtags. We can organize, you know, conversations on Twitter. It helps me organize that. It helps me in the posting and promoting of their event. I always shoot a promotional video they can use across all their social media channels, which encourages the audience to connect with me in advance. I'm setting the relationship up even before I step on stage. It's not uncommon for me to be at an event and people come up and give me a huge cuddle and they're like, oh my God, I get to meet you in real life because we've connected on social. But what I do believe to answer your question is for my kind of business, there are certain platforms that make so much more sense. LinkedIn is still the number one most professional social media platform. And because I'm a corporate speaker, I grew up in corporate business, I am a corporate chick. I love corporate. It's where I love to play. And they've even LinkedIn, while it used to be kind of a little conservative, they've got you know, they got with the times, they got the video happening, it's more interactive, but it's like people's personal website. So I love LinkedIn. Instagram became my favorite. And I'll tell you why. Facebook makes me crazy. I have this love hate relationship with Facebook to the point where I regularly want to just delete my whole account. But I just I don't because my family's all over the world. And it's how I stay connected. But what I do like about Facebook is that I can do Facebook lives for my clients. So often before I'm at an event, I did one today for an event that I have coming up and my clients love that, right? So that's a way to use it. The reason Instagram is my favorite. I feel like Instagram is like a peek behind the curtain. So Jay, you do this really, really well. When you're out and about, you were at a huge conference. I got to see the trade floor. I got to see all the machines that you were showing. I see when you're traveling. And so what I love about Instagram is for people like you and I who have maybe a more public life, but we also have these fun adventures that we can expose other people to, it shows people that this is really what's happening. So I love Insta stories, but from a business point of view, what I like about Insta is that I can share a quote or I can share a something exciting that's happened, but I can also share my personal life. So I feel like Insta is more personal. We see more of the person and it's not as kind of cluttered, right? But I also think when it comes to social, that Facebook, well, the thing is everyone's on it. I want to hate it, but I can't. What I do do is I pretty much unfriend or unfollow like a bazillion people. My feed might have like 12 or 13 people that I actually follow and love, but I think it's where everyone goes every single day. And so it's a platform that can't be ignored. But some of my younger audiences, so I have clientele like MTV and Nickelodeon, some of those brands, they're not on Facebook like ever, but they're definitely on Insta. So I think the key for anyone is knowing where their audience is. Twitter is just easy and I'm there because of my audiences, it's easy to group by hashtag. But if I had to rank them, it would be LinkedIn primarily, Instagram second, Facebook third, and then Twitter would be fourth. I want to ask you a couple of things about your use of, of LinkedIn. Yeah. One, you have, last time I checked, 206 LinkedIn recommendations, which, which may be the most LinkedIn recommendations I have ever seen. What's that all about? Are, are you going to something <laughs> like LinkedIn recommendations farm? Like how? No, what? it's deliberate. And every single one of those people is a real human if you pick on No, it. I know. I'm not suggesting they're not. I just, <laughs> you must have some sort of a process by I which do. you are See, nudging people for that. Yes, yes, yes. Now there's several ways. It sounds like an attention system is what it sounds like. Surprise! I know. I have to actually walk my talk, right? 
But when it comes to LinkedIn, what I believe is people are more likely to believe what other people say about you than what you say about you. So if I can have a meeting planner or an executive leader, a CEO of an organization I've helped, if they write a recommendation for me, then that is their endorsement of me into the world. In their words, I'm not helping them script any of that. There are several ways that you can leverage LinkedIn recommendations. In my case, I have always diligently asked for this. So I think the first thing you have to do, and as social media managers, we can do this, right? But when you've worked with people, ask them, would you feel comfortable recommending me on LinkedIn? You can send them the actual link and say, Jay, please endorse me, right? Now, that's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it that I have done my whole career is I randomly write recommendations for other people, not with any expectation of anything in return. And so I often do this when I see a speaker and I love what they say, I will write them a LinkedIn recommendation. It sends them a note that says, hey, Jay, Neen has recommended you. Now, sometimes because Jay's a good human, he might turn around and say, oh, I would like to recommend you as well. But I'm not doing it for that reason. My system is if I see something and I like it, I talk about it. Now, people may or may not want that recommendation. It's totally their choice about putting it on their profile. But I believe that when we can have this opportunity, it's what I call systemized thoughtfulness. When you have this system of attention on others, then it is going to help grow their business, their profile, their reputation. Another thing that I do is, and we all get this, no matter what kind of work you're in, sometimes people write you like a really kind email. So they might say, hey, I love that campaign you did. It made such an impact on our customers or our product. What I would do is I would take that email and I would send it back to them and say, would you feel comfortable just pasting these words into a LinkedIn recommendation, right? Sure. Our friend Scott Stratton is brilliant at doing this. He does it through texting. So I use email most of the time. But sometimes if you make it really easy for people, tell them what you want them to do. Take the email, just cut and paste that exact email. Just that sentence is all they need. And so what I find is people want to do that. Now, what we used to try and do is after every event, we'd ask the meeting to write, meeting planner to write us a recommendation. Jay, you and I know meeting planners have 50,000 more important things to do than write a speaker recommendation. And they also moved on to their next event. So we don't do it that way anymore. But what we do make sure we do is that we stay in contact with them. I also am very deliberate about reaching out in advance to people before an event. So I usually connect with my meeting planners and the people who hire me in advance of the event. And then I have the chance to stay connected with them after the event. So I think you just got to know your audience, but the system is very simple. Just ask, but make it a part of your process. The other thing that you do is you connect with people on LinkedIn and then you just say, can I give you a copy of my book? How does that system work? So when we were publishing Attention Pays, we identified that I had 75, we went and found in my own already existing network, 75 people who were very significant in the roles that they had within the corporations they served, and they were leaders of influence. And so what I did was I created a spreadsheet with their LinkedIn information, and I reached out to them all individually as a personal message and said, I've just published this book. If you believe it would be beneficial for your leaders, I'd love to send you a copy. Now, of the 75, I still have maybe, I think, 27 who I haven't heard back from. And I had two people say, no, thank you. And that's great. Because I also said, after I'd sent them a second message, because they did, some of them didn't see it. And I was like, it's okay just to say no. Like, I don't want your book. And that's totally yeah. okay, because yeah. not everyone wants a book, right? What I didn't blatantly do was send out 75 copies unsolicited to these influential people. Now, as a result of that, what's been fascinating has been the conversations that happen. I took it a step further. 
what I did was when someone said, yes, I would like a copy of your book, I'd find out something unique about them. So maybe one of my clients is a huge fan of the Spurs. So I found an artist who could create, and I didn't even know Spurs was like a basketball team, but it is. So, um, <laughs> yes, it is. so I found like their famous player had an artist do a beautiful uh, drawing of this particular favorite player. And then I shifted off to their office. I found someone who had always wanted to be a flight attendant and she had visions of working for Pan Am. And so I found on eBay these Pan Am luggage tags that were vintage. Nice. So I sent nice. it with the book. Now, here's my point around all of this. If I'm about attention, I better also walk my talk. So what this says is I paid attention to something that was important to you, a charity you support, an aspiration you had as a child, a team that you love to support. And my gifts, not always expensive, just showed them that I thought of them. That's how you pay attention. I still believe in lumpy mail. In our worlds of social media where everything is digital, I believe analog systems get results. And so being able to send lumpy mails, you did this with your book launch, you and Daniel, I got a fabulous box of, I got my God, this pink headband, which is hysterical, a gorgeous alpaca, I got some cookies to eat, which by the way, I may or may not have consumed them all without sharing, and the book, like brilliant way to get attention. And so I think we've just got to be more clever in the way we approach things doesn't have to cost you a lot of money, but it does need to be different. You are one of the people that I was thinking about when we wrote the book Talk Triggers, not because of the contextual model help that you gave us, although that's part of it, but also because when I was first kind of kicking around this idea about how word of mouth is more powerful than ever, even in the social media era where, where word of mouth has wings in a way that didn't used to, the, the offline word of mouth, where you're just sitting next to somebody or you're on the phone uh, or you're doing a video call or even an email and then somebody makes a concrete recommendation to you that carries so much weight today because we're surrounded by all this bullshit, right? Like all of this, like this noise. And the reason I thought about you is because I, I don't know. And, and I mean this sincerely that I have ever in my entire life had a conversation with somebody who was as enthusiastic about a product or service as you are about Peloton. <laughs> obsessed. The word you are looking for, my love, is obsessed with my Peloton. You told me about that at one point. I don't even know if you remember. And I was like, she is so fired up about this that there's got to be something there. Now, in contrast to what I say in my own book, I have yet to, uh, obviously, looking at me, uh, purchase a Peloton system. I am still trying to live on the beer and uh, beef jerky diet. However, I want you to talk about, I want you to talk about your experiences with Peloton, and 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 you are such an incredible unofficial ambassador for that brand. Uh, and just uh, quickly explain to folks what Peloton is in case they don't know. Go. Yeah, absolutely. A Peloton is really just an exercise bike. But the difference is it's a spin bike in your home with a tablet attached. And what that does is allows you to participate in classes that are, that are streamed live from their studio in New York or you can watch them on demand. So just think about that. How many people have a piece of exercise equipment in their house they had great aspirations of using, but never do? Here's the difference, right? As Jay raises his hand. Here's the difference. 
Now, I've had my Peloton for, let's say, less than maybe 18 months, right? And years and years ago, I loved a spin class, but I um, hadn't been, I didn't want to join a gym. The lifestyle Jay and I have chosen means participation in a gym is very challenging because we're always on the road, right? But for the times when I'm home, I want to be able to work out at a time that suits me. Peloton was designed by a gentleman called John Foley, who was trying to think, how can I scale this experience of being in a studio spinning? And that's when he came up with this brilliant technology. He will tell you it's a technology company. But here's what's fascinating from a case study of attention, word of mouth advertising, talk triggers. He has created a community with over 100,000 people in their Facebook group who are obsessed with their Peloton. I mean, obsessed. Let me just give you an example. He has created celebrities and his instructors, each of them with very diverse personalities and skill sets, everything from a professional bike rider, an actual cyclist, all the way through to fantastic dancers, like every one of them, very good looking, very fit, very amazing. So they then create their own communities. People get attached to an instructor, myself included. So much that I love my instructor's classes, she's a bit of a drill sergeant. I thought, I wonder what she's really like. So I started to stalk her a little on social, as you do. And I discovered she had a personal training business. So not only did she do personal training, but she did it through FaceTime. So mm. I hired her as my personal trainer because I can work out with her in my hotel room or in, you know, in my house. And so what it also was interesting was not only that there's an engaged community, not only that there's celebrity status, but what that what John has done is that he has rewarded the community by having instructors participate in the conversations. He sends them out into the stores to meet people. And just this past weekend, which is hysterical, one particular Facebook group that I ride with called JJ's Crew, because we all like Jennifer Jacobs as our trainer, flew from all over the country for the weekend to New York just to ride together in a dark studio. If that's not crazy, I don't know what is. My husband said to me when I got off the train, he said, let me just understand this. You got up at four in the morning to catch a train to New York to ride a bike in a dark studio, a bike that you own in your own home. (laughs) already have one. (laughs) That you pay for and you paid extra to be in the studio. I was like, yeah, that about sums it up. I mean, I know I sound like a lunatic on this podcast, But that's the level of product um, loyalty, brand loyalty that I think John Foley is genius in what he has created. And I think, you know, I'm pretty sure surely they're going to do an IPO because and then he created a treadmill and then everyone bought this absorbently priced treadmill, which is very different. And now it's got its own community as well. I mean, Jay, I think he will take over the home fitness equipment the whole industry, like the guy's genius. So yeah, I am obsessed. And here's what's also cool. A friend of ours that we know, he pulled me aside at a conference recently when we were together at the National Speakers Association. And he said to me, he said, look, I saw you posting all over social about this super Peloton. My wife owns a Peloton. And I thought, what on earth is she all about? He said, I went upstairs. I did the ride. He said, and you know what? I lost 10 pounds. I mean, stop it. That's amazing to me. So when people are posting on social, sometimes it makes us crazy that they post about their workouts, but maybe just maybe it inspires them to take action. I love it. You keep working on me, Nene. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you up on that one of these days. Yes. Maybe. You would love it. I'll meet you in New York. We'll go to the studio. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do that, but thank you. <laughs> uh, because you are such a systems thinker, I think that is the only way, the only way that you could have possibly accomplished this next fact. You, Neen James, went from having never run at all 
to <laughs> running a marathon in, okay, listen to this, social pros, folks, five months. Went from never running at all to running a marathon in five months. That's crazy. <laughs> Maybe that so. requires a system. It does, but what your listeners can't see is I do not have a runner's body at all. Let's just say I am 4'10 and a half. That's very important to know. And I am what one might call top heavy. So I am not built for running. Nothing about my body says runner, ever, right? But it was a challenge of a friend who I was, you know, in a fairly stressful time. And he had he was addicted to running. And I was like, I don't have a runner's body. You're a lunatic. He said, I just, you should try it. So it was on a dare that I tried the run, just so you know. So I went to a running store, bought all the gear and found, and I said to the person behind the counter, I bought all, spent all this money on, you know, fabulous gear. And he said, oh, who do you, you know, who do you run with? I was like, oh, honey, I've never run before in my life. And I said, (laughs) do you have a running coach? Because in my world, if you want to get good at something quickly, you hire a coach or a mentor, right? So there's system number one. So he sold me all the gear. I looked really cute, never run a mile in my life. And so I took the business card of the coach and I contacted him and I bought all these magazines. Like there's actually running magazines. And they all said you should do a 5K. I didn't even know what that meant. So I was like, okay, so I signed up for a 5K. Have still not run a mile, still not run a mile. But I would look cute like I had the gear, right? So then I reach out to the coach, make an appointment to meet him in my local park. And I said to him, by the way, never run before in my life, but I have a, I have a 5k in two weeks. I need you to train me for. And, you know, once he got over his shock and horror, you know, he agreed to be my coach. So the system was that I hired a coach and then I made every two, twice a week, I would run with him two weeks into my running journey with my coach. I'm like, how hard can this 5k be? And then a friend of ours who you and I both know, a guy by the name of Theo said, well, if you're going to call yourself a runner, you should really do a marathon. Now he had done the Marine Corps marathon. He was a runner. And I was like, well, how hard can that be? And because I'm Australian, I know kilometers. I have no concept of miles even to this day. Like how hard can it be? So then I told my coach two weeks later, by the way, signed up for a marathon. He was like, okay, great. Like in 18 months time. I was like, no, 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 no. In November of this year. And so my poor coach, God bless him, he would get up in the wee hours of the morning to train me. And, and that's what we did. He, I trained with him two, sometimes three times a week. And my system was that I said, here's the deadline. Now work backwards. How do we reverse yeah. engineer this? Now, just- That's how I write books. I do the exact same way. I am a really slow runner. Like, let's be super, super clear about this. I am not your eight minute mile Look, I don't even like getting the mail. So the fact that you ran a marathon <laughs> at any speed is impressive. But I had like, I designed this playlist. And so, and even to this day, I designed the playlist and I played the exact same playlist every time I ran. So what would happen is my body would get used to certain songs. I'd know where it was on my journey. And so there's so many things you can do and to whatever it is you believe you can't do. It's not true. Like I truly am living evidence of the fact that I had not even run on a treadmill. I never played team sports at school. I am not that girl. And so I think what you've got to think about is what systems you need to put in place in order for you to invest the attention you have and the time that you have and then decide what do you want? Like, what does that look like for you? And then reverse engineer it. It's one of the challenges I think we have in social is that sometimes our goals 
our objectives, our outcomes are somewhat fuzzy or amorphous at times. Mm. And, and so then we're not really sure what we're shooting for. And that creates even more angst and uncertainty and, 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 and feeling overwhelmed and overtired. And that's why the best social media practitioners are the ones that have the most concrete measurement, because yeah. then at least, you know, then at least, you know what you're doing, right? At least, you know, yeah. you may be, the measures may be wrong uh, and you may suck at it, but at least, you know, what the scoreboard is. And one of the challenges yeah. with, with social is that sometimes the scoreboard can be a little mysterious. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that can create a lot of unhealthy behaviors and just a lot of extra stress and pressure. And the goalposts change so much, I imagine, too. Yep. The, the, that constantly, at least with a marathon, you have a starting line, you have an ending line. There is a, an actual set, and it could take you all day to run it, or it could take you several hours to run it. And I think the challenge with some of your listeners is that not only does the scoreboard change, but the goalposts keep getting moved. And so yep. being able to set these mini targets, these mini goals, both inside the business as well as outside. And that's why I think you've got to think about your attention personally as in who deserves your attention and how you're going to be thoughtful, but also professionally, like what deserves your attention, how you're going to be productive. I think that balance is really vital. It's Neen James this week on Social Pros. My friend, she is the author of the extraordinary book that's helped me a lot. It's called Attention Pays. She's also a dynamic keynote speaker, fantastic consultant as well. Neen, where should people go to get the book? I know that the book is available, as I always say, all the places and ways that books can be made available. Uh, would you like them to go to a bookstore? Would you like them to go to your website? How would you like them to do that? I think I'd love them to do whatever makes it super easy for them. Lucky for me, there's only one Neen James online. So that makes it real easy to find me. You can find Attention Pays in all the places that you enjoy buying your books from. I love it. Neen, I'm going to ask you the two questions that we ask everybody here on Social Pros now dating back many, many years. And just a reminder, folks, we'll have this recording and the transcript uh, from Neen. We'll also put up um, some of the templates that she mentioned as well. And every episode ever and all the links and the stuff is all at socialpros.com, socialpros.com. Neen, what one tip would you give somebody who's looking to become a social pro? Be your own publicist. It's your responsibility Mm. to be able to speak confidently about how brilliant you are. A publicist is someone who manages the publics and shares the good news. Be your own publicist. Boy, I love that answer. And we haven't had that one before. My observation, and this is based on nothing other than anecdote, is there's two kinds of social media managers. There are those who are very much their own publicist, perhaps a little too much. (laughs) And then there are everybody else who kind of got into this because they don't want to be the star. They kind of want to be the people on the keyboard who make the brand the star or make the company. They're they're sort of the cheerleader for the organization and and they don't want to be out in front. They want to be behind the scenes uh, a little bit. And so I think your advice of of making sure that you kind of take ownership of your own career in many uh, cases uh, is is really well-founded. And I think a lot of people will appreciate that. Also, you're probably going to change your career. As I mentioned um, recently on the on the show, about 75% of the guests on this show, going back like seven years, whatever, uh, change jobs within 12 months uh, of being on this podcast. So I don't know what your job would be after this, maybe professional <laughs> champagne taster. I know you're big on that too. Yeah. I would happily do that. 
Yes. But I, I can't promise you this, but mathematically speaking, the chances that you will be an author and a consultant in a year are bad um, now that you've been on the show. It's just that's, that's, <laughs> good that's, to know. That's, the actuarial table would suggest that you'll not, you'll not continue you're to do disclaimer this. Disclaimer when you invite your disclaimer, guests. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If you're looking to change jobs, being a social pros guest is the best way to do it. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uh, I think it's because everybody gets promoted, right? They're on the show and then their boss is like, wow, you're really smart. I didn't know how smart you were. I listened to the podcast. Now I want you to be in charge of marketing. It happens all the time. Happens all the time on this show. A it's crazy great fun. use of their time and attention listening to this podcast. Last question for you, Neen. If you could do a video call with any living person, who would it be and why? Let's say I think some fabulous eye candy would be Hugh Jackman. Now, besides the fact that he is an incredibly talented Aussie, I have admired him for so many years because of not just the fact that he is true to who he is and his Australian roots. He has flexibility in the way that he sings, the way that he performs, whether it's a movie or Broadway, whether it's producing. One of the most powerful things I've ever seen him do is The Greatest Showman. But you know what else I love about him? He is so committed to his family, his community, and his values. And I think he would make an incredibly fun guest to have a video call with. And I would probably have a telly cocktail, which would be where he would have a champagne and I would have a champagne and that's how we would do it. All right. I think we can make that happen. We know somebody who knows somebody. We're gonna. That's going to be my gift to you. You're just going to get like a, like a <laughs> Skype call. It's going to be Hugh Jackman holding... <laughs> All oiled up, holding a bottle of champagne. It's going to be fantastic. My new goal in life is to make that happen for you. I'm going to do that. You know, I still haven't seen The Greatest Showman, which I feel like is a real crime. Okay, this is where you need to stop what you're doing and you need to go and watch it. And I am making this your prescribed homework. That is what you will do for me. And then you will text me when you have done it. Okay, I will do that on on the next plane that has that movie. I'm going to make that happen. And then maybe I'll go into some sort of weird, would you say some sort of dark gym where I ride a bike with people I don't know? Is that, is that what um, your recommendation was? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll put that on the list too. Neen James is our guest this week on the Social Pros Podcast. She is fantastic. Her book is Attention Pays. You can find her all over the internet and social media. Neen, N-E-E-N, James my friend, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. What an absolute privilege. Thank you for everything you do in the world. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen of the Social Pros community, it's so great to be with you this week. Adam will be back next time. We'll have another fantastic guest here on the show. As mentioned, if you go to socialpros.com, you can get everything we've ever done on this show, which is uh, a ridiculous amount of content. Like if you started to listen to the show and listen to them straight through, uh, it would be like three weeks of your life or some crazy thing like that. So we got you covered and we've had some extraordinary guests on this program, including the one and only Neen James. I'll see you next week. I'm Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. On behalf of Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud, this has been hopefully your favorite podcast, Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext and it's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceandconvert.com.